Hello and welcome to another episode of Dead Curious. Actually, to another season of Dead Curious. My name is Roxanne. And I'm Jessica. And uh, it's great to have you guys back. Last season, we focused on South Africa, which is where we're from. So that's what the accent is if you are new. And uh, this season, Jess, would you like to do the honors and announce what uh, where we're doing the season on? Absolutely. So this season's topic or theme was chosen by our lovely patrons, the Slitty Yetis. And they chose the Soviet Union. So we are going to cover various stories, obviously either true crime or spooky related. Uh, stories from the Soviet Union or countries or areas that were part of the Soviet Union. Yeah, so it will be stories from the Soviet Union states, uh, which are now post-Soviet states. So it's basically Russia and surrounding countries. Um, so that does mean that we will be on the lookout and very appreciative of the services of a translator. We need somebody to help us pronounce these names. Otherwise, we're just going to murder all of them yeah. and, and we don't want to do that. So if you speak the mother tongue, uh, please uh, send us a DM on our social meds or pop us an email. You can find all our details um, on our website. The link is in the show notes or description. And uh, yeah, we would we would love a little bit of, of, of help with this season but uh the only other thing i have to add um news wise is that we are going to be doing things a little bit differently in season two we found that in season one we got a little bit burnt out towards the end and we ended up taking a month break which was great but a month is also a bit too long a month and a half was just too long i'm feeling super rusty i don't know about you jace but yeah, 100%. I, mean, <laughs> I feel pretty, I've kind of forgotten how to do this. So bear with us, guys. But um, yeah, so a month is just too long a break. So what we're going to try this season is rather instead of doing an episode every week, we'll do three weeks on one week off. So that will be an average of about three episodes a month instead of four. Just to give us a bit of a breather um, in between episodes, it also allows us to catch up when, you know, life just gets in the way. But yeah, but it's 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 great to be back. And uh, I missed you, Jess. I missed you too. I mean, I did see you once or twice, but I miss you. I miss talking um, to you regularly. Yes, I know. And uh, that is why, this is why we actually started doing this was so that we could talk. So mm. let's talk then, shall we? Yeah. So we spoke about this before. This is actually my second attempt at recording this because um asked Jess I had a little bit of like a meltdown when we first tried to record the story. Um not necessarily emotional, but I was just very hot and bothered. I just mm. yeah, it just flopped. It Literally just, melting. Yeah, I, I got really <laughs> hot, I got really flustered and I just it was awful. So sorry about that, Jess, but thank you for being such a supportive sister. And uh, yeah, sorry for the delay on this episode, guys. But uh, we are here, we are back, and we are excited to go into our first story. So I'm going to start then. Or are you doing a story mm -hmm. this week? Um, no, I, I'm going to do my story separately next week. So the first okay. two episodes are going to be individual ones mm. because they are both quite long and complex so yeah to avoid yeah. making the first episode like two hours like we did with season one yeah let's not uh, do that again just, yeah we're gonna just break them up um so it's more enjoyable for you guys as well 
Yeah, also then it means we can go into a little bit more um, depth into these stories. So, the story we're doing today was suggested by our patron, Michael. Let me begin. In early 1959, Soviet Russia, nine young explorers embarked on a journey through the frigid Ural Mountains and were never seen alive again. This is the story of the Dyatlov Pass incident. In January 1959, a group of students from the Ural Polytechnical Institute decided to take a break from their studies and embark on a ski hiking expedition through the Ural Mountains. Leading the group was Igor Dyatlov, whom the pass was then named after. Originally consisting of 10 members, 8 men and 2 women, um, but one of the guys named Yuri Yudin ended up leaving the expedition early due to health and knee issues. All the members of this group had a minimum of a grade 2 hiking certificate, which means that they were trained and experienced in both long ski tours and mountain expeditions. In fact, this particular journey was actually planned so that they could move up a grade in their hiking levels. The journey they had planned was a long one, rated a level 3 trip, which by the way is like the highest and most difficult level apparently. I don't know, I don't Mm. hike, but this is what I've been told. So before the hardest and longest part of their trip, which was uh, traveling around the Otaritan Mountain, which to the local indigenous people is known as Death Mountains, and they apparently fear this area due to local superstitions. So, you know, Mm. foreshadowing much. But anyway, the group did stop and stock up on supplies at a nearby town called Vishai. From what I can tell, it looks like they planned on making a round trip from the town through the mountain pass over or around the mountain peaks and back. So on the 2nd of February, the remaining nine hikers made the fateful trip to Otoriton Mountain and that was the last time they were ever seen alive. According to Igor Dyatlov, the group was supposed to be back at Vesai around about the 12th of February, where they would then send a telegram to the sports club to inform them of their safe return. But the 12th came and went with no word from the group. At first, their friends and families were not too concerned. This was the 1950s, so cell phones and GPSs, mm. they, they just weren't a thing yet. And it wasn't uncommon for trips like this to take a little bit longer than planned. Um, things go wrong, you know. You can't plan You can't plan every single detail on a trip like this. Yeah, initially nobody was too concerned. Um, and these were very, very experienced hikers. So what exactly could go wrong? But... Mm. Days turned to weeks and then the families did begin to panic a little. The one frustrating thing about this story is that, like in so many other stories, initially the authorities didn't seem to react with much urgency at all. They were like, oh, these Mm -hmm. are kids, you know, they're just being kids, they're probably fine, what a what a. Yeah, they're young, trying to have fun, and they're experienced, you know, they know what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. I mean, these were students, they were all in their um, early to mid-twenties, apparently Mm. one of them even got into trouble with the authorities in one of the towns, because he was singing, like, really loudly in public. Oh, like, um... This was communist. What is that called? <laughs> oh, um, 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 I'm hitting a blank. Yes, that thing. <laughs> that thing. Disturbance. Okay. Um, um, public yeah, disturbance yeah, yeah. or something. The peace. Disturbing the peace or something. So yeah, you know, um, they're young. No one really, no one really took it too seriously. Um, and it took quite a lot of pushing from the friends and family before police and military, bleh, before police and military got involved in the search. 
Um, mm. So it sounds like on the 20th of February, there was an initial search and rescue sent out, but it was um, it was just of like local people and friends and family and stuff, I think. But only on the twenty mm. second did like the police and military get involved, and they were actually able to find find the camp of the missing hikers on the slope of the mountain. Mm. Um, so what they could tell, the tent was actually set up a little off course. So it looks like what had happened was um, because the original plan was that they were going to start on the one side of the peak travel around and set up camp once they reach the other side because this was going to be the longest part of the journey. Mm. So they bought all the supplies and stuff to get over this one day. But it looks like something caused them to go off course and they were way way too far west. So we can only assume that they recognized their error and then in trying to correct it, decided to set up camp on the slopes because there were like tree lines and stuff a little way away so they could have actually set up camp in a in a safer maybe more mm. um secluded more sheltered spot but they were on the slope of the mountain and they set up camp there yeah at the campsite th- this is when things got creepy at the campsite rescuers found the hiker's tent which Many people who have heard the story know uh, it had been cut up and seemingly it had been cut up from the inside. The hikers' coats, their boots, hiking gear, food, everything was there except for the hikers themselves. The site also had unusually high levels of radiation and uh, investigators found cameras and journals that belonged to the hikers. So they they kept like a pretty well documented record of their trip and it basically ended like the night they went missing unfortunately these uh, journals and and uh, pictures didn't provide any clues the only thing that they did have or find on there which could be a clue was the final image on the camera reel which was that of some mysterious lights Mm. but we don't even know what those lights are it could be a candle it could be a fire it um could be who knows it could be something in the sky you really you can google it i'll i'll try and find these images and post them up on our social media but um you honestly can't tell what it is um Mm. so although we had great documents of of the trip up until that point we only know what happened till that point the investigators were able to find five of the hikers bodies relatively quickly three were found between the camp and the tree line Um, all were underdressed for the sub-zero temperature wearing only light shirts and pants no boots no hats no jackets nothing like that and one of them had a fractured skull two more Mm. bodies were found in the tree line about a mile away from the camp but these two were wearing nothing but underwear There were injuries on their hands and damage to the trees, indicating that they had either climbed up the trees to look for firewood or to look for directions or perhaps to escape something. Mm. But uh, we can't be sure. But that's where two more of the bodies were found. The remaining four bodies of the nine hikers was only found two months later beyond the tree line. Yeah. Um, So of those four bodies... One had a fractured skull, one had cracked ribs, and one had like severely 
cracked ribs and a missing tongue as well as missing eyes and the soft tissue around the eyes. If that wasn't weird enough, uh, these four campers were apparently wearing the clothes of the other two campers that were found at the tree line. And these clothes tested radioactive as well. Oh, wow. Besides the burns and the cuts and the bruises one would expect to, to find on people who were navigating the harsh and icy Russia wilderness, there appeared to be no obvious or identifiable outward trauma to the bodies. Mm. But in the autopsy, they did find that the majority of the injuries were actually all internal. The post-mortem report states that the injuries were caused by a force, quote, too strong for a human to cause. Hmm. And that's all she wrote. That's literally all I wrote in the report. It's it's frustratingly vague. Well, I mean, I guess it, it makes sense that it would be vague like that because if you have if you have internal injuries that are so bad and yet nothing on the external areas of the body to like give an indication of what could have caused the injuries, like I'm not surprised. I mean, they were, they were actually probably quite stumped at the time as well. So it is frustrating, but I guess it kind of makes yeah. sense that they wouldn't know. Yes. But... but? Okay. <laughs> You'll hear when I continue. It's okay. just... It's suspiciously vague. Okay. Obviously, uh, okay. It's, obviously, it's in Russian, so I can't read the report myself, but... From the bits and stuff I could found, like the translator, where people spoke of the translated version and stuff, it's just, it's frustratingly and suspicious, let's call it suspiciously vague. That's all I'm saying. So, okay. let's go back to the bodies. One had no skull fractures, but did have brain damage. I think of the nine bodies, I think it was a total of three of them were actually missing their eyes as well as the soft tissue around the eye. So what the reports, the report said something about just having empty eye sockets. And what they meant by that was there was no eye or tissue mm. around where the eye would be. Like that was just completely gone. And one of the females um, was the one with the missing tongue and broken ribs. And she was not only missing her tongue, but she was actually missing part of the inside of her mouth and also missing her eyes and the tissue around her eyes as well as some other facial um, soft tissues. Okay. But her rib cage was literally broken so badly that it parted down the middle. Mm. It's like the sort of injury someone would expect to see in a car crash, not a hiking incident. Like... Mm. It's heavy impact that would cause that kind of thing. Yeah, or a force. Like, that's what this the, the autopsy report said. It was a force. So something, like, pressed down so hard that it, like, split this poor woman's ribs. So, anyway, they also found blood in her stomach, which could mean, like, two different things, okay? Mm. Uh, one, it could mean um, this was from her internal injuries. Or worst case scenario, it could be an indication that she was, in fact, still alive when her tongue was removed. Mm. Yeah, so that, that got dark pretty quickly. But yeah. Um, yeah, so even with all of these injuries, okay, the official cause of death for all nine hikers was officially reported to be hypothermia. Mm. <sighs> and I don't know how you determine if someone died of hypothermia or not, but I'm just like, the woman's tongue was missing... Her ribs are cracked. 
And the fact that there was blood in her stomach shows mm. that she was injured while she was alive. Tongue or not, they, the injuries were sustained while they were alive. Also, quite a few of them um, had like their fingernails and missing. Like they, it looked like they tried to climb up trees so desperately that they'd actually like broken pieces of their fingers off to the bone. Mm. So it's like a lot of people say, "Hey, maybe animals ate it." Sure, but not all of the injuries, right? Mm. Anyway, so I don't know. I don't know if it if how you determine if someone died of hypothermia, but I'm like. Seriously, I think that are they the sure? Injury, <laughs> the woman with the missing tongue. I think that one. Maybe the other people, depending on the types of injuries they had, but I think that case it doesn't make sense to die from hypothermia because you've got pretty large veins in your tongue, so you would bleed out pretty quickly. Yeah, know? pretty quickly. But that again is only one of nine people. True. So that's basically the story of the Diotlov Pass incident. After the incident, they did name that that area Diotlov Pass. And yeah, so for over 50 years, this has just been a mystery that baffles the minds of anyone who hears about it. And um, yeah, thanks to international interest and tons of investigation, and of course, the infamous internet sleuths, Luckily for us, there's no shortage of interesting theories mm -hmm. um, as to what actually happened that fateful night. So that's actually what I want to talk about tonight. So let's get into them. Theory number one was the initial um, thought of the rescuers uh, when they arrived at the campsite. And it would be the first thing most people think of. It's um, what if there was an intruder or an animal that tried to attack them? Mm. At their campsite. So maybe an animal tried to attack them through the tent and broke in. Or maybe an animal got in and they tried to get out. So this would be the most obvious case. But mm. as I said previously, it appears to the investigators that um, it was cut from the inside for them to get out. Also, it was pretty, it's pretty clear and you can see online there are pictures of the tent. It's pretty clearly cut and not ripped, so I think it's pretty safe to say that these were man-made incisions. Mm. And um, when I first heard the story, I thought it was like one cut. No, no, no. Th this thing was like cut to shreds. Up. It's like, like people like these these holes in like the the top part of the tent and the sides. Like there's a couple of holes, so these people like like intentionally cut holes into the tent, whether it was the hikers or maybe someone trying to get in or. Who knows? But anyway, there's also some debate on whether or not it was cut from inside mm. because some people have pointed out that the investigators never actually took the fibers and put it under a microscope. So how could they really say, oh, it was, you know, cut from the inside? Mm. I'm pretty sure that you could probably see which direction something was cut without a microscope, but I don't think that's good enough reason not to look at something under a microscope. So... There's some debate on that point. Ooh. Some believe that the one of the hikers was a Soviet spy who was actually part of this, who'd like joined this group to travel to a remote location to deliver some secret information and ended up getting double-crossed. Oh. And to cover the tracks, um, the entire group was, was murdered. But uh, I think that just sounds a little bit too much like a Hollywood story. Yeah. Yeah. Some believe that it could have been the Russian Yeti and there's even a two there's even a two nice. hour long 
Discovery Channel special on this theory called Russian Yeti, the Killer Loves. <laughs> it's like, what? Isn't it? This is wasn't it like one of those um, cases where they had that mermaid documentary thing though. Ah, uh, guys, if you haven't heard the mermaid episode, <laughs> mermaids in the in the desert episode that we did, go listen to it. You'll know how you go listen to it. Um, I have been deceived by the Discovery Channel. Not not deceived. I think it was pretty clearly fake. But I was heartbroken. Um, that that yeah. Was it Discovery uh, Channel that did that, or was it, it wasn't was, it History Channel? It was. Oh, but History oh, and Discovery Channel are kind of like connected, aren't they? I think so. I don't watch TV that much, so. Uh, neither do I. I get all my information from YouTube because that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's more scientific. <laughs> Anywho, Jess, we're talking about the Russian Yeti now. Apologies. Okay, so first of all, um, I think and. I know there's some Yeti fans out there, so Mm. please let us know your thoughts on... In fact, anybody, if you have any thoughts on any of these theories, we want to hear... I'd love to actually, like, put it to a vote, see who Mm. believes, like, what. Maybe I can put some voting polls up on on Instagram. Mm. But, uh, yeah, from what I know, and and I'll be honest, uh, I don't know a lot about Yetis, besides our Sleti Yetis on Patreon, because those guys are awesome. Sleti Yetis are the best creatures in the world. But when it comes to the Russian Yeti, I'm assuming the Russian Yeti is like any other Yeti, and they're actually known to be relatively peaceful creatures. Mm. So I don't see them killing off like a group of nine people and again if it did it would have to have like ripped through the tent not like sliced it with a knife yes and and um the first time i heard about this story i heard from uh, buzzfeed unsolved with um (laughs) shane and ryan shane and ryan and then ryan was like he doesn't know it's actually that episode was before shane joined but ryan's like I oh. don't know of a Yeti that's smart enough to cover its tracks. <laughs> you never know. Which is, you never right? Know. You don't know how intelligent they are. But I still don't think it had knives to yeah. cut. I don't know. Anyway, another intruder theory is that perhaps the native people had tried to like ransack or, you know, attack them. But this is also mm. this is also not really possible as they're known to be very peaceful and friendly people and they don't harm travelers and they also avoid they avoid the area, remember? Yeah. Death Mountain. Yeah, so that was also quickly ruled out. And then a very important thing to note is that there was only light snowfall on the campsite. So mm. like it's not like everything was in- embedded in snow. There was very light snowfall around the area. You know, because it had been there for a couple of days, but nothing was like necessarily hidden. Mm. The investigators were able to find some of the footprints. And from what they can tell from these footprints, they didn't actually run away from the camp. The tracks in the snow didn't show running. It wasn't like scuffed like it would be if somebody mm. was trying to like trudge quickly through the snow. The prints actually indicated that they traveled down the slope together in a very clear and purposeful manner. Uh, some of them even barefoot. Oh, wow. So it kind of looks like they freaked out. Someone either attacked the tent and they freaked out to escape, or they heard something, freaked out and escaped the tent. Mm. And then once they were outside the tent, decided to, as a group, travel off down the slope in the middle of the night, like naked. Well, not naked, but very underdressed dressed for the weather. Mm. 
So like, what? Anyway, so another and another theory, and many believe that that this is this is it. Um, some believe that there could have been a fire in the tent. So the tent itself isn't like it wasn't burnt down or burnt or anything, but Igor mm. did have a makeshift tent stove. And if you look at pictures of the tent, you'll see it has like this little chimney. It's like this little metal pipe that sticks out the top of the tent. And in some of the photos, there's pictures of him posing with a jacket that had burnt up. So we can only assume that the stove, you know, being a stove inside a tent has caught fire before. Mm. And maybe it was one of those little oopsies and the stove caught a light or maybe something burnt. And maybe they were trying to flee the fire or flee the smoke from inside the tent and either cut holes to escape or cut holes for better ventilation to get rid of the smoke. So many people believe this. I personally don't because why would nine experienced hikers on like a how many day journey destroy their only shelter Mm. and then also go like exploring off into the wilderness that's that my second point exactly so let's say that it is that bad and they were desperate to get rid of the smoke they cut holes the smoke disappears from the tent why would they then travel down the slope without any of their clothes Mm. it's not like they would have done it to turn around and go back and try and, you know, find another village or something. Because you would have at least put your shoes on then. If some of them were barefoot, that's still going to be quite a walk down. Right. According to the investigators, their jackets and boots were lined up in the tent. So, like, when they set up camp and when they went into the tent to retire for the night, they set up their jackets and stuff. So, it's like, mm. it, it looks like they didn't even make an attempt to take anything. It's like, whatever they were wearing, that's what they wore when they left. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't. So another theory is that perhaps, you know, there's some young people out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe it was like a drugs and alcohol thing, you know, that could explain why they were underdressed. Because if you're drunk, you know, you don't really feel the cold as much. So they did do toxicology reports on the bodies, but it showed that only two of the nine hikers were actually drunk. And again, I don't think that would explain why all nine decided to leave the camp. I mean, yeah, okay. When you when you're drunk, you do dumb things, but you're not. Oh yeah, dumb enough to cut up your tent and somehow get all the sober people to do it too. Yeah, I, I think if there was one or two drunk guys, maybe they'd cause some nonsense outside. Maybe they went to go pee. Uh, maybe one of them got mm. lost. But even so. Even if one or two of them were drunk enough to get lost, why would they all leave without their clothes? Why would they cut up the tent? Mm. So to me, I'm like, okay, cool. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not feeling this theory either. Mm. Then, of course, this wouldn't be a Diotlov story if I didn't bring up the possibilities. Aliens. The possibility of aliens. Yes! I get why people like the alien mm. theory because it um it explains like the missing body parts uh, which are common in like you know when cattle and stuff get mm. abducted and stuff mutilated and things yeah mutilate it's very similar to cattle mutilations there's um, missing soft tissues the eyeballs seem to have been removed the tongue was missing it would explain the force like mm. maybe yeah maybe they had done experiments the radiation. I don't know. 
And people love to point to aliens with regards to the radioactivity found in around the camp and on the clothes. Mm. But... Okay. But... There are actually some very simple explanations for some of these points. And also on a personal note, on a personal, personal note, I don't believe that aliens would be so sloppy about it. Mm, True. You know? Anyway. So firstly, let's tackle the radioactivity thing. Okay, when they say that it tested high for radioactivity, just realize that there's actually like radiation everywhere and there's different types of radiation is like alpha mm. beta whatever i i'm not a scientist i probably even said that crap wrong but yeah everything basically has some sort of a radioactive charge so people get a little overexcited most of the stuff was traces not even oh it's not like direct contact for like extended no it's just higher than usual okay except for on the clothes where there were like three items of clothes that tested higher than usual one testing almost Double the usual amount of Ooh. radiation. However, um, the clothes that tested particularly high in radioactivity belonged to two men who worked in labs or we- weapons factories mm. that used radioactive material. So, yeah, it's, they probably just, you know, brought a belt because one of them was a belt, one of them was a shirt, and I think it was like a pair of pants. So it's, mm. it could have very easily just been something one of the men wore yeah. to work. True. You know? So, unfortunately, guys, the radioactivity thing does seem to have been very, very, um, I don't know, uh, people got overexcited about that point. It's, mm. it's actually not nearly as exciting as what it sounds. Uh, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. People probably made a bigger deal about it because then it like makes the conspiracy theory aspect a lot stronger yeah and remember this happened in russia uh during the reign of the soviet union so Mm. back then they were very strict on what media came in and out of the country and that sort of thing so Mm. it was a juicy story sensational to the outside world it's like why was this kept a secret you know yeah and also, this was during a time of, of war. Everybody, especially America and Russia, had, like, all the radioactive materials in the world. So, true. So yeah. Um, sorry, guys. The radio... I'm not saying it's not aliens. I'm just saying that the radioactivity was probably just some radioactive material that kind of got stuck on some clothing. Mm. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, as for the missing eyes and tongue, that also can be easily explained as uh, these are parts of the body that are often eaten away by animals and could Mm -hmm. have also easily degraded due to, like, the weather and harsh elements out in the snow. Unfortunately, and this is what I was saying, Jess, unfortunately, again, the autopsy report is just too too vague. vague. It just, all it says is... Empty eye sockets. Mm. Doesn't say precisely removed with a knife or... (laughs) Exactly. Like, they didn't say that there's scrapes, so it could be a beak. Or Mm. they didn't say that there was tearing, like it could have been an animal. They don't say that it's, like, sludgy, that it could have just, like, I don't know, rotted away. But you know what I mean. It's like, look, I haven't seen, like, many autopsy reports in my life, but I'm pretty damn sure that usually a little bit more effort's put into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they at least say it looks like it was scraped out or pulled out or rotted away. Yeah. I don't know. If we have any, any what do you call it, morticians? Um, what do you call it? No, uh, mor- forensic detectives? <laughs> Mortician works in the funeral home. 
I don't know. If we if any of y'all do any of these kind of things and like know this stuff, let us know. So <laughs> we still got the- some more theories to go. Uh, the next one is another popular one. It is was it a military cover-up? So some people uh. some people some people believe that um, the military was conducting some weapons testing in secret up in the mountains. And perhaps this group was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe they heard something and tried to flee or maybe they actually got caught up in an explosion. Maybe they saw something they weren't supposed to and some hitmen were sent to like kill them. We don't know. There are a few reasons why people point to this as a theory because one, um, there is actually a military testing place near the mountains. Um, so it's not like out of the realm of possibility for this to happen. Another thing that indicates to like a military cover-up is that people did report seeing lights before, during and after the disappearance of these people. They were like random lights in the sky. So people think Aliens. that maybe... <laughs> aliens or perhaps um i can't remember where it was that i saw this but uh, somebody was saying that apparently it could have been i think it's called air mines or uh-huh. sky mines air mines so basically what it is it's bombs that are dropped out of planes and they sort of um like they've got little parachutes and they kind of like mm. hover and but they explode above the ground so what happens is the force hits you Mm. Mm-hmm. a force that is too strong to be human hits you and you know it kills everything that's underneath it so okay. that's why people think they think maybe the military was testing some things and you know maybe these poor guys were just in the wrong place at the wrong time also remember that photo that they took is of lights in the sky so maybe they heard something saw something and were like hey something's going on here we gotta run you know but again i don't see why they would have cut themselves out the tent um also there was there was no sign of like like debris or anything in the snow like surely there would have been some form of an avalanche or there would have been something it wouldn't have just affected their bodies it would have affected the plant life in the in the area close to them as well and the camp yeah also this is up in the snowy mountains there would have been indentation in the snow or it would have caused something of even a, a small um, avalanche, Definitely. you know? But there was nothing to indicate that. Remember, there was only light snowfall on the camp. So, so little that they could even see some of the tracks in the snow. So mm. I'm not sure about this theory either, even though it's like, it feels a bit more realistic. Also, remember our friend Yuri, the only survivor who left early? Mm. The military cover-up theory actually comes from him. When they wanted to identify the hikers and stuff, they obviously took all of the belongings from the campsite and um, brought it in for investigation. Mm. They called Yuri in to come and identify the stuff that they had pulled from the camp. And Yuri was able to identify everything except for a pair of skis, which he said he's never seen before, and a piece of cloth, which according to him looked like it could have been military in origin. So I don't know if he's talking about like maybe it's the type of material or the color, but he says that this material looks like it's like military material. So Yuri thinks, well, at least it sounds like Yuri thinks it, that the military maybe had gotten there before the rescuers to cover something up. 
Mm. Because, I mean, that could have happened as well. Maybe they did die because of, like, a bomb, but they came and they covered it up. I don't know. I don't know. There's, but then how would know. they do that without leaving their own tracks, you know? I don't know. Like, if you could identify the tracks of the hikers, then surely you would be able to identify tracks of the military people leading up to the camp and going away from it. I don't know. Stranger things have happened. I guess. I don't know. I think it's... I think it's... A, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how you can say that a piece of cloth looks like it's of military origin. I mean, it depends that's, on yeah. what type of... Like, if it was... I don't know. Yeah. Nah. That's the big argument against that theory is that... Um, yeah, why? Why? So, that's it for the military theories. So, finally... We have theories revolving around, you know, Mother Nature just being a little bit of a bitch. Firstly, some people think it's an avalanche, that perhaps they heard, thought they heard an avalanche and ran away trying to escape it. Mm-mm. I don't think so. Again, you, would, they would have put some clothes on or something, or at least grabbed some clothes to put on. Right. So, I don't know, but uh, that's one of the theories out there. I'm just trying to cover as many theories as I can in this episode. Then um, also, okay, I heard this theory and I literally laughed. Um, Some people believe that perhaps they were just blown off the slope in a big gust of wind, like Wizard of Oz style. Wow. (laughs) That's not how wind works. Yeah, but I'm like, also, like, if you're going to blow people away, surely it would have blown, I don't know, the tents. Yeah, you know? Um, Yeah. And then our last theory... And apparently, I still need to confirm this, but apparently this this is the theory that Russian officials have recently come out and said, this is the most probable cause, this is it. And I want to just extend a thanks, another thanks to our wonderful Sleti Yeti Michael, the one who did suggest the story. He also did send me some really cool videos and stuff to watch on this particular theory. So thanks for that, Michael. Thank you. And... um. The last but probably most interesting theory is that of something called infrasound. Okay. Infrasound is a frequency that you don't recognize, like you don't, you can't hear it, but your ears and your brain still pick it up. And then what happens is this kind of puts your brain into like a frenzy because now your body is being told, like your brain tells your body to be on alert because it hears something, mm. but because you consciously aren't hearing anything like it's it's almost like your conscious and your unconscious sort of like fight with each other because it's like your body's telling you to beware run away you hear something but there's nothing that you can identify to be afraid of Mm. and um this frequency was apparently used in the second world war by like um hitler and the nazis and stuff like they used to use this okay i don't know if this is true but some say that this particular frequency was used during his rallies to get people like all rah, you know, right. um, like kind of like disorients your mind or whatever. Well, they say that some of the things that infrasound can do is that it can actually like cause nausea, disorientation, mm. drowsiness. Like it really, really kind of messes you up. And though how how they would have been affected by infrasound so they they there's a couple of th- if you look it up on on like youtube and stuff they've there's people who've actually put together like video diagrams to show how it works but basically where they set up camp on the slope was kind of in the perfect place for like this um wind vortex to start up just above where the camp was mm. and 
it would have allowed, this vortex would have caused the wind to turn and, and sort of create this frequency. What people are saying is that these guys were in the tent, they obviously were being affected by this infrasound, and then in a almost state of panic, like try, frantically tried to escape the tent, thinking that something was after them. And then once they were out the tent, realizing that there was no immediate danger, but still felt that they had to leave, mm. then went down beyond the tree line. But who knows, maybe they fell down the slope. It doesn't really account for the injuries, mm. but um, maybe they panicked. They were afraid they could, have, they could have hurt themselves. And personally, I believe that they probably like left the camp and at some point wanted to return but maybe some of them were too hurt to make it back. So some of them lent their clothes and like thought, okay, well, I'll give my clothes and then we can go head back up. It's only a mile away, head back to the camp, and then we can come back with more supplies and help the injured and just ended up, you know, dying to death in the snow. Dying to dying death. To death. <laughs> freezing. To- <laughs> just ended up freezing to death in the snow. I'm glad you find this funny. Dying to death. <sighs> We're gonna, I'll, I'll kill you so hard you'll die to death. I'm going to kill you so hard you die to death. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's personally that's what I think. That's I think that's what happened with the whole clothes thing. I think yeah, the radioactivity was just because those guys worked with radioactive materials. Um, I personally have no idea why they would have left the camp. Um, could have been infrasound. I think that's a pretty real possibility. But none of this really accounts for their injuries. So at the end of the day, although it's though it's apparently a, a closed case, I don't really feel like it's closed. I don't. I don't know. I don't know like that much about that infrasound infrasound thing. Um, I'll have to look it up. But if they're in like the ideal place for the wind or whatever to, I don't know, create that little vortex thing surely wouldn't their tent and like all of the equipment and stuff cause some kind of an, an obstruction in the flow of the air wouldn't that like stop that from happening i don't know I don't it's know how such it a low it's such a low frequency that you don't actually hear it you feel it if that makes sense so it oh. travels through things oh i see what you mean so that's why the infrasound theory is such a strong one like I said, my only problem with that theory is that it doesn't account for the injuries. All of these theories perfectly explain certain aspects of the mystery. Yes. Nothing explains everything. I know. <sighs> ah, so maybe maybe the answer is all of the above. Hmm. Maybe they were in the tent and they heard something outside and then in a panic, like something caught a light and then they had to just escape. And then they thought that something was there, but then like, you know, they didn't see it and they thought, okay, let's just go down. And then they were abducted by aliens and then spat out of the alien spacecraft where they found like sky bombs, mines, whatever. And then there was like a... On the aliens. Yeah. Now we're just getting ridiculous. But I, <laughs> the thing is, yeah, sure, this is all ridiculous that we're talking about right now. But at at the end of the day, it's it's it kind of still explains more than what any one of these theories have. So, 
that is the story of the Dyatlov Pass incident. Do you have do you have any theory? Um, I only have, like I said, I only have theories on the clothes and the nudity. I don't mm. have any of my own theories as to why they would have left the tent. And I, I'm actually pretty happy with when any of those theories that I um, listed. On, I think all of those are reasonable theories as to why they would leave the tent. It's just what really, what honestly gets me is those, is the injuries. Not even like the eyes and the tongue and stuff. The internal injuries. It's the internal ones that really bug me. Like that I just, I just don't, I just can't wrap my head around how that could have happened unless it was like an air mine. But then there would have been, there would have been other, there would have been evidence, more evidence, I don't know. I think it's probably like a cryptid slash military combination because... Oh my gosh. Government and things do cover things like that up, as we all assume. <laughs> I can't say as we all know, because we just guessed that. So do you think they're using Russian yetis as part of like a secret, some sort of like secret weapons testing thing? Like they actually were trying to like breed yetis to that is not fight a, for them? No, that's not at all what I'm saying. That's like complete oh. opposite, no. Alright, well, even if that is wrong, I think that would make a fabulous movie. That would. But I think that it's it's some it's some type of cryptid. I don't think it's a yeti. Well, well okay, maybe. We don't know. We don't exactly know what a yeti is. But I think it's more of like... A skinwalker. Like a skinwalker mimic type <gasps> of thing. Because you said that <laughs> the locals are afraid of that area because of their like superstitions and stuff right yes so what yes. if it's like one of those situations um like I, th I don't know i think is it i don't know if it's native americans i think when they talk about the skinwalkers like you're not supposed to mention it or anything um yeah and there's like it's kind of like a shapeshifter type of deal i'm not exactly sure how that works but I think maybe it's a situation like that. They know that they're in the area, so they don't they don't go anywhere near there. Mm. Okay, so one of the theories was like drug and alcohol related things. So maybe, as you mentioned, one of them did leave the tent to go mm. and, you know, do some business or whatever. And perhaps there was a skinwalker that mimicked their friend that left, like screamed or, or called for them or something. So they got panicked because they thought he was being attacked, so they tried to get out quickly. And they walked through the snow, like, methodically, because, you know, they were panicked, but not panicked enough to run directionless. Yes. So maybe they were searching for their friend. A cryptid would explain why they left the tent. It would explain why they walked away calmly. It would explain the internal and external injuries. I'm feeling this cryptid vibe, Jess. Cool. Okay. Scrap military. It's cryptids. It's a skinwalker. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the dead curious official theory that we are putting forth and standing by is that they are Russian cryptids. I feel like we've just solved it, bro. I do feel pretty good about the theory, mm. though. I think it explains it explains a lot. But I do think that uh, that does bring us to the end of... Episode one of season two. Definitely. As always, thank you so much for for listening. Thanks for your support and your love and 
it is so great to be back. Um, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. We do like to do personal stories every now and then. So if you have an interesting story you'd like us to cover, or if you have a personal story of your own you'd like us to tell to the world, please pop us an email or send us a message on our social meds. All of those details you'll find on our website and the link to that is in the show notes. Um, other than that, you know, like, subscribe. We're everywhere. We've got a fabulous illustrator who illustrates all the stories that we tell. Christine, you're amazeballs. Yes. And um, yeah, as always. Don't assume that the Yeti's done everything wrong. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.